Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following episode contains disturbing and graphic accounts of survivor experiences. It may not be suitable for younger audiences. Please listen with care. When we were in Provo, we listened to the neighbors who described the warning signs they see from the outside of the kids trying to get away, the extreme behaviors of, of these kids who are clearly in, in fear. And, uh, you know, it's cold there. Like, why, unless it's really bad inside, why why run away in the wintertime when it's cold and you don't know where you're going? And these kids are forced into desperate situations because it's a, it's a desperate situation. And Provo... Um, is a problem and Provo needs to stop. And when it does, it's not the only one. I mean, it, it's just, it's replicated and it's it's replicated by other UHS programs. It's replicated by SQL programs. It's replicated by Acadia programs. And they're all going to turn into some other name sometime soon. And what we really need to get at is get the kids out that are in immediate danger and really improve the, the regulation. From iHeartRadio, London Audio, and executive producer Paris Hilton, this is Trapped in Treatment. We're your hosts, Rebecca Mellinger. And I'm Caroline Cole, one troubled teen industry survivor. And one investigator. On a mission to expose the truths of an industry plagued by controversy and to make sure that no child has to experience the hell that is teen treatment. Wow. I cannot believe we have reached the last episode of season one. We have spent the last few weeks tearing apart Provo Canyon School. But to be honest, there is so much more to this industry than just PCS. The troubled teen industry spans the country and the world. After we saw PCS come to its rise within the 70s and 80s, there was a really interesting phenomenon that happened. Staff at PCS 
ended up spinning off and creating their own facilities, their own programs. And, and the same thing happened to those facilities. The people who worked there went to open their own facilities in different states and across the country. So this is kind of that web that all started with provocating school. And it's actually very personal to you, Caroline, right? Because didn't the founder of your facility actually get his start at Provo Canyon School? He did. He was a dorm dad at Provo Canyon School back in the 80s. And I believe he was actually described as being humorless and dictatorial. Boy, good traits. Does not sound like someone who's <laughs> maybe the warmest person in the world. And that's why we spend so much time focusing on Provo Canyon School, is because it really, really is that germ that spurred the industry. So when we go back and we talk about the practices in the 70s and the 80s and shock therapy and all those various practices, that is the impetus for the rest of what these youth have experienced all the way up to today, whether they're at Provo Canyon School or they're at other facilities across the nation and across the world. Exactly. And so it's, it almost becomes just like an echo of Provo Canyon School. We see the same exact treatment models. We see the same exact practices, the same types of staff members and their dynamics with the residents there. It's all just a complete imprint of Provo. You know, and all of this really goes to show exactly what Senator Gelser said at the top of the episode. And we are so lucky to have legislators who understand this dynamic and are starting to really fight and raise greater attention to this issue so that we can actually save the children. Throughout this journey, we've had the pleasure of working with some powerful, important leaders who are fighting right alongside us. One of those people is Senator Mike McHale a Utah state senator who joined us during the fight in Utah, but has also taken on this cause as a really personal one. He can see the change as it happens, or not, across the country. So we're super grateful to be able to sit down with him. We asked him whether the movement in Utah has made a national impact at a legislative level, and what other states are doing to address the oversight of their own treatment facilities. I think the urge to change is growing, and, and, a, and a large part of that is the work that you guys are doing with Breaking Code Silence. There is no question. Um, we, we got some work to do in Idaho, though. My, my neighbor to the north, there's been a lot of problems up there that we really need, need to watch. But I think there is an appetite for change. I think there is a feeling of change in the air. I think, I mean, you, you, guys, are, you guys are seeing it. I've followed what you're doing. There are a lot of states that want to see some strong, strong change. I mean, it was it was fun in, in Utah. Um, I got to work. You know, I'm, I'm the Republican working with the, the Democrat from Oregon was with Senator Gelser. Um, this is an issue that is is not this is not a, an issue that's partisan. This is something that we we really owe it to our kids to make sure they're safe in these private private facilities. So I appreciate what you're doing. I mean, it, it feels like there's a strong effort to make changes across the country. So what are things that the other states are actually addressing currently? Are they the exact same as Utah's issues or are they different? I think a lot of the issues are the same. I, I mean, more than anything, I, I, think, I think the states that I've talked to want to see more, more oversight. And I think there's been a, there's been a real uh, lack, lack of oversight and I, I think our model that we used here is a model that could be used, could be used anywhere. I, I, I certainly don't think we're done. I think there's other issues that we still should explore. But uh, more than anything, um, we, we need just better oversight 
So what are the additional reforms in Utah that are still needed? I think we need to spend, I've got a list of things that I know we talked about. First of all, effectiveness of treatment. Parents need to, there needs to be credibility with the treatment that's provided. And parents need to be confident that when they send their child to Idaho or Nevada or Utah, that the treatment they're providing is based on peer-reviewed best practices. And and and, And I don't know that that doesn't happen in some facilities. I know it doesn't happen in some facilities. But I think there's a gap in, in information. These are private facilities. The reporting is, is still fairly light on the type of treatment that's provided. That is not the case in public facilities. And I, and I think that could be a model. The other issue that, that I, I struggle with, and I, I probably struggle, and I bring this up, I probably struggle with the most is length of stay. I fundamentally I worry that kids are in programs way too long. With Kit, when Caroline came to Utah and spoke in her hearing, I mean, she was, she was just a teenager and she was put in a facility because her mom and dad were going through divorce. And that's a kid that misses prom, misses homecoming, misses interaction with, with friends and, and really grows up in an institution. And I, the, to me, tying that to treatment just does not seem helpful. Um, another issue that, that, that really bothers me and, and until we come up with a good solution, I think it'll always bother me is how we, how we transport kids. Um, I had one, one professor, uh, one, one of the researchers, he says, it, to me, it almost feels like a human rights violation, picking up kids in the middle of the night. Um, when you start, the, the mental health professionals that I've talked to, when you start treatment with trauma, it, 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 it almost entirely defeats the purpose. We traumatize kids right out of the chute before we treat them. And I'm extremely concerned that we need to, we need to do more there. I am extremely concerned with what I've seen at Provo Canyon in, in the past. And we, you know, we have new legislation. We've got to, we've got to look at when that was implemented and moving forward. If we continue, I, I will say this, if we continue to see similar violations, they should be shut down. If they chemically restrain kids, if they seclude kids, they should be shut down. Uh, that is something that we should have zero tolerance for. It, it is abuse. And uh, we're going to do better moving forward. I, I appreciate all the work you guys have done. I mean, it was, it was really helpful. We had a very aggressive bill that without all of the public awareness, without the attention, without Paris Hill would have been very, very difficult. Um, you and I had this conversation. I was nervous when Paris came, came to Utah. I knew it would create, it would be a, a very unique, a unique challenge, making sure that things, things went well in the committee hearing. Um, we, we had threats against our capital. We had, we had the Black Lives Matter. We had the pro-Trumpers, the anti-Trumpers. Every capital in America was pretty, was pretty locked down with security concerns because of, because of the current climate. But in, in the end, I think we had a very, very positive positive experience for change. And uh, I think, I think your, your organization, Breaking Code Silence, brought so much attention to the, to the issue. And uh, I think it was, it was helpful. It, you know, it's sad that it, that it happened in my, my state. We, we do so many things so well in Utah. This is just one that we, we certainly have missed the mark on. And, and I hope we don't moving forward. We, we need to be better. And if that means we continue to look at Provo Canyon and, and we continue to question their practices, so be it. And, and I will be there right there with you guys every step of the way on that. 
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Rebecca, do you remember when we first started talking to Senator Mike McKell? I do. He had actually reached out to us right after the rally when Paris and I were headed back to Los Angeles. And he said that he had had a personal relationship to this industry and that he was interested in, you know, attacking this within the legislature. But I remember our first conversation with him. It was so interesting. And he's actually really a perfect case study because our very first conversation, his attitude was like, well, we're going to make sure that these places are safe and we're going to do what's practical. And he was very kind of uh, middle ground. Totally. But then what did you see happen over the course of the campaign and and working this bill? Well, you know, we introduced him to survivors and he started to really better understand what these kids are going through in the facilities. And all of a sudden he got 
angry. He got so fiery angry, kind of like what you said in an earlier episode, actually. And he just really took this on as a really, really personal cause. And it's it really is that transformation for people that don't know about this industry. It's, wow, this is really terrible. It doesn't affect me yet. So yes, we should do something about it, but I don't necessarily know how. And then when you start to really hear the stories, you can't stop. And what was fascinating to me is seeing not only how Paris on a larger scale put this topic in front of the nation, but even Senator McKell in his home state of Utah, once he started talking about this issue, he started having even his family physician reach out and say that they were affected. He started having friends reach out and, and discussing their stories. And then we even saw lawmakers within the Senate and the House in Utah who all of a sudden they felt like they had permission to talk about how their families and their personal lives were also affected by this industry. And so we saw him just become alive with this passion, which feels so good as someone who has had this lived experience. 100%. And I, I just feel like it's this perfect storm because without Senator McHale, who really took on this issue, and without the national attention that Paris brought to it, and without the advocates and all of the survivors who are willing to share their story, we wouldn't have had that roundtable discussion during that committee hearing that we had in Utah back in February to be able to create that impetus for actual legislative change. So you have to have every single piece of the puzzle to actually make something happen. Absolutely. And in saying that, I just also want to give a nod to all of the survivors who have been in the advocacy space for decades, because I think all too often, you know, we've reached this pinnacle where, yes, a lot of change is happening, but it's been 20 something years that have led up to this with advocates who have been showing up at their state capitals, who have been lobbying their local legislators. And for a number of years, it felt like they were just screaming into a void. So now we're finally gaining that traction, but there's still a lot of work to do. Absolutely. I mean, we have come a really long way over the past year, but it's dangerous to be too optimistic because we know that the abuse is still happening today at Provo Canyon School and at other facilities across the nation in 2021. And, you know, when we premiered This is Paris, PCS came out with this absurd statement saying that they couldn't comment on operations prior to 2000 because that was when it changed ownership to universal health services. But Senator Gelser Bluen was skeptical, so she did a records request just recently. You know, I think in the case of Provo Canyon, we had had, Oregon had two kids that were at Provo Canyon in 2018 and 2019. And when Paris Hilton um, had her documentary and, and talked about the abuse that she experienced at Provo Canyon School, including seclusion, um, Provo Canyon said, you know, we can't speak to that. That was a different owner we don't do those things anymore. We prohibited those things a long time ago. Well, what was interesting was I was so focused on SQL Youth and Family Services and Acadia, which is another large provider that had a number of our kids, that I hadn't done the records requests for Provo Canyon School, partly because the, the kids came home almost immediately after I started having the hearings. So I did these records and it was clear that within 18 months of the time that Provo Canyon was saying, we haven't done this in years, that was prior owners, that they were um, chemically restraining 
uh, a little girl with intellectual disabilities. They were putting her in seclusion. They were putting her in multiple restraints. She was being assaulted by other children, um, you know, to the point that she couldn't eat. She actually said to her case manager, I'm going to die here. I think I'm going to die here. I would run away, but there's just walls and walls and walls. I can't get out. I can't, I can't get away. That's now. And if we hadn't done that public records request, again, there is no way to get in there and see what is really, and see what's really happening. And, and so what we need are more survivors like Paris, like this little girl named Uvea that I, I believe you've met Uvea who was yeah. nine when she was at an Acadia facility in Montana and keeps telling her story. Um, we need the types of public records that we are able to get in some states through these records requests. And we need to be partnering with disability rights organizations. Every state has a protection and advocacy center that has the outright ability to go into a program, look at their records, look at the treatment plans for um, kids, period. And that is the only way we are going to get to the bottom of it and to keep talking about it. The most recent case we've heard about, Trisha's nephew, James, the 12-year-old sent away just earlier this year, is another perfect example. Trisha's words haunt us and clearly show that not enough has changed. No more gaslighting, no more lies. I told the social worker, I said, Provo Canyon, boarding school-like, and I was like, why does that name sound familiar? And she was like, I don't know, you know? And I said... Like, wait a minute, wasn't there just like some sort of like protest down there? Like, wait, no, 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 no. I know what this is. This is that school. I've heard this school. And she's, oh, you know, Paris Hilton, da, da, da. You know, she kind of like mumbled it and tried to like smooth past it really fast. And I said, yeah, the one with Paris Hilton and all those people. Yeah. And she said, oh, that was a long time ago. You know, they sold, they tra- they changed, you know, owners, blah, blah, blah. It's not like that anymore. You know, Paris Hilton's, you know, around your age, which I don't know if she is my age all the way or not. But, you know, that was back in the 90s. That was this and that. And I'm like, I was like, it, you know, it wasn't just Paris Hilton. This is like the R. Kelly situation where you can't say they're all liars. They don't all lie. You know, and, oh, you can't believe everything you hear in the media. And I'm just like, you know, in in all fair honesty, there could be like one person who embellished. You know, let's just say there was one. But there's not a hundred. There's not two hundred. There's not three hundred. There's not a thousand. There's not tens and thousands of documents of different people from different countries, from different places who are saying the same thing over and over, begging for someone to shut these places down. They're not all lying. That's impossible. These kids have been trying for decades to to tell us and, and the issues are the same. 
over and over and over and and over again. And the cost, um, you know, I, my, I was talking with a, a colleague in Utah who said, you know, maybe there is some magical place out there that does good work, but with all of the trauma and damage that we've seen, how much good work would there have to be to make up for all of the destruction that, that this is causing for, for families that last for, for decades? Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Different people, different countries even, all with the same abusive treatment story. The unfortunate truth is that while some of their practices may have changed since the ACLU injunction, it's clear that many of them, specifically isolation, manipulation, physical restraint and the impenetrable wall of silence are still being used at Provo Canyon today. The stories are still coming. 
This school is an abomination, a single part of a much larger industry that has spread its philosophies around the world. And I don't mean to harp on this one statement that Provo Canyon School made, but I really do feel that it is so important because it is so incredibly lazy on behalf of UHS and Provo Canyon School. So when they said that they can't comment on anything prior to 2000, that is completely discrediting the thousands of survivors that we have heard from who were at Provo Canyon School from 2000 all the way to 2021. Provo Canyon School can't hide behind that media statement anymore. When the documentary came out, they put out this media statement dated September 17th, 2020. And they said that they provided every patient with a survey upon discharge. And this survey was over 841 discharge patients. And it says, according to the 2020 Patient Satisfaction Survey, 100% of patients report that they feel better at discharge than when admitted. And 100% of patients report that they were satisfied with their treatment. 100%. 100% probably felt better because they were leaving Provo Canyon School. <laughs> That's totally. I mean, yeah, they want to get out of there. So they're going to write whatever they can on that survey. I mean, we've heard from survivors in this season from 2020, from 2021. So it's just not possible that 100% of their clients are saying that they had a supported, successful treatment at Provo Canyon School. And one other thing that I just want to note from this media statement is something that they said towards the bottom. And it says, we're concerned that the current media coverage may increase the stigma around seeking help for behavioral health concerns. Caroline, I would really love your thoughts on that statement. We don't believe that this increases a stigma around seeking help. In fact, we believe that this movement requires us to have a more definitive understanding of what is help, what is treatment, what is therapeutic, and what does that mean when we look at someone's behavior compared to true mental health treatment. Behavioral health is only an outward expression of what's happening inside. So as we've seen throughout this entire season, when we have facilities like Provo Canyon School that are simply aimed at modifying the behaviors, we are in no way getting close to even treating that individual on the inside and giving them what they need so they can be happy, well-rounded, so they can have success, and so that they can have nurturing, fulfilling relationships with their families. And that statement to me just feels like they're glossing over it all. All they want is to continue to fill those beds instead of focusing on why are these survivors coming out more traumatized than when they came in? How can we actually do better within our practice to provide the care that we say we do? Provo Canyon School, we call for the shuttering of your doors, the closing of your facilities, and the release of the youth within your walls. Provo Canyon School, you should be shut down. And the day's coming. Your abusive practices and archaic therapy models should be illegal. And we won't stop. You can't brush us off or save face with marketing tactics and false promises. We are your worst nightmare. The voices of the youth you have wronged, this season was just the beginning. We're just getting started. Thanks for listening and see you next time on Trapped in Treatment.
You've been listening to Trapped in Treatment from iHeartMedia, London Audio, and Warner Brothers Digital Unscripted in association with Telepictures. Written, produced, and edited by Christina Hanatu. Executive produced by Paris Hilton, Bruce Gersh, and Bruce Robertson. Stephanie Schwartz as supervising producer. Music supervision and mixing by Richard Jory. Fact-checking and research by Chelsea Maldonado, Rebecca Mellinger, and Caroline Cole. Hosted by Rebecca Mellinger and Caroline Cole. Special thanks to Bob Moeller, Senior Vice President of Digital Media at Warner Brothers. And to all the guests who share their stories and their perspectives with us, we are so grateful. To everyone raising their voices alongside us to bring awareness to this issue, thank you. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.